Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of the everyone I know likes new things and sometimes those things are you know actual things like maybe a, a new book or perhaps you know a, a just hearing a new story sometimes they're just new experiences that we love I mean I know that I kind of like uh, perhaps experiencing a, a new game like a board game or something like that I kind of enjoy those things but you know in order for us to experience new things sometimes we have to know about some of the old things or the things that have come before it you know for example uh, my family we like watching movies and there was just this past week a movie that came out on dvd and we were excited about that and it was a it was a new movie and then we're also excited about another movie that's coming out uh, this this week and both of those movies the interesting things about those is they're the second in that series which means in order for you to really appreciate what goes on in that movie, in that story, you have to know what came before it. Well, I want us, uh, for a few minutes here together, I want us to look at kind of uh, these three things specifically, about history, about community, and personally, kind of what these things can mean um, to us. And I want us to see something new, but before we get to the new thing, we kind of need to go over some of these old things. So we're going to be looking at a passage from the Old Testament and a passage from the New Testament. The one from the Old Testament is Deuteronomy chapter 26. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, what I want you to pay close attention to, and this goes along with the whole, um, uh, the, the idea about history and then community, and then we also see personally. So I want you to pay attention to things like um, his, our, and then my. 
And those different words as they progress in this story, because it's very interesting. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, what we see are some instructions that the Israelites are given about what to do whenever they come into the promised land. Remember, Abraham and his descendants were promised a certain land. It's the promised land, the land of Israel. And they were told that they were going to receive that land. But Abraham himself didn't receive it. And his own children didn't receive it. And then his grandchildren didn't receive it. But, you know, his great, 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 great grandchildren did. I don't know how many greats you have to go. But eventually, his descendants did receive that land. And whenever they received that land, they were told to pay attention to what God had given them, to appreciate the things that God had given them. And part of that was to bring an offering of the first fruits. That means the, the very first things that they were given that the land you know, produced for them, that they were going to be eating from, uh, the very first ones, they were actually supposed to set those aside and give those to God. Now, they could eat from the other ones and partake of the other things, but the first ones they were supposed to set aside to God in some way. So let's take a look at Deuteronomy 20, 26 and notice some of these things together. This is the first fruits of the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 3, we read this. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that... Of all that you produce from the soil of the land, the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. So now this is just kind of, so far this is one of those things in the Old Testament that's just setting up how they were supposed to do it. But now I want you to pay close attention to some of these pronouns that are being used right here. The first thing is we see that it starts off about his story. You know, it's, it's his thing. It's not necessarily my thing yet. It's, it's his thing. It's something about uh, the history that has happened to somebody else. Now, this could apply with almost any story that we read about in the Bible because just because it is part of history, we need to not just leave it there and say, oh, well, this is kind of a neat thing. No, it can oftentimes still impact us today. In Deuteronomy 26, verses 4 and 5. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. Now, so far, this story is, is probably pretty familiar with you. You know, you, you kind of know about how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they, they went down um, well, the ones who were alive, of the descendants of them, they went down into the land of Egypt. Now, they did that from that whole story about Joseph, you know, the guy with the, the coat of many colors. And you can read about that, uh, the last half of the book of Genesis. And you find this story about how God uh, led his people, how the, the history about how God led his people and how it started off as just kind of, oh, well, you know, it was my father or, you know, he went down into Egypt. So it's all about his story about this history, about this one person, and really uh, that one person's family. But if you notice, the attention quickly changes. It's not just about history. It's not just about his story, but it also becomes our story, you know, collectively. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 6 through 9, shows us the sense of community that they needed to have um, as they entered into the promised land. And it's no longer just, well, you know, well, my my ancestor, or, you know, he did this. No, now it's us and we. Notice that. It's our story at this time. Verses 6 through 9. 
But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice that wonderful transition. This, this story here that we're looking at, it's not just about history. It's about community. And it's about kind of taking ownership and being part of this wonderful community. And that is something that Israel needed to learn along the way and needed to be reminded along the way. And this was to be a reminder. As they entered into the promised land, they needed to keep that sense of community together in order to be able to thrive in the promised land. But as we look, we notice being part of a community, we, uh, that community is made up of individuals and we need to take kind of some sense of individual ownership for these things. That's where we get into the personally part. In verses 10 and 11, we see it's no longer just about, well, his story. It's no longer just about, well, our story, but now it's my story. Verses 10 and 11. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Now, this is kind of the, this sort of ritual, this sort of ceremony that they were supposed to recite as they brought the first fruits in. But you notice this progression. And you notice that we finally get to this point to where, you know, this history, this community, it requires something of each one of us personally. And each one of the Israelites were reminded of that whenever they brought the first fruits, whenever they brought these things before the Lord, they were reminded that it takes every single one of us acting and doing things together in order to form this community uh, that God wanted. Now, that's what God wanted from his uh, people in the nation of Israel. But you know what's very interesting is, we see some of the same parallels in the New Testament. Each one of those are paralleled. Yes, there's a history that, that takes place. Any one of the examples in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we read, there is a history about, well, it's his thing. It's, it's his story. It's his life that he lived. But you know, with that, it still can impact us today. We see in the New Testament that there is this new community called the church. And we also find out that it requires each one of us to actively do something, to respond to this news. So to kind of illustrate this and sort of walk through some of these things, I want us to take a look at a different chapter. This chapter comes from the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15. Now notice how his story, our story, and my story are kind of repeated, but in slightly different ways. The first thing is about you know his story, of course. Uh, but before we get to there, uh, we see the first couple of verses sort of lay the foundation for it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that still the first fruits are going to be talked about here, but now it's not talking about the actual first fruits that are coming from the promised land. This is going to be, this whole chapter is about the first fruits of the resurrection. And just like the first fruits of the promised land, it was a little bit of an indication that there was going to be more to follow. That's how the first fruits of the resurrection uh, act as well. Because the first fruits came, we can expect more to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. 
Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Notice he's talking about this gospel. This gospel is about his story. Specifically this time, we're looking at his in the sense of it's Jesus's story. So what does Jesus' story have to do with us? Let's keep looking. Verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul continues on and he says, For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And if you skip on down now to verse 20 and 21, we read, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. So now we see this idea about history, the idea about it's his story. We actually see two different men that are mentioned, and both of them impact us in some way or another. Of course, that first man is speaking about Adam. This second man, um, we see that this is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is mentioned here with the gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, those three things might sound to a lot of people like, well, they're just part of history. They are, however, a very important part of history and a part of history that does impact us today. And it impacts us in many different ways and it spills over into this community of believers, the community of believers that exists today that we call the church. Now, whenever we look at this community of believers, I want you to understand we're not talking about one individual congregation. We are talking about the church all over the world We together make up this community of Christ. And notice how the attention also uh, changes and starts to look about, it's not just about the history of Jesus, it's not just about these facts about Jesus, but it's about how those facts spill over into the community of believers. Now we look at verses 22 through 27, and we read how we are all looped into this, all grouped in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Notice the community and how this is not just about Christ. It's not just about his story. It is all of our stories. Verses 22 through 27. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, what we are noticing right here is why I was kind of speaking about new things. Because all of this and this chapter is completely full of new things. Talking about how things are going to be changing in the future. Now, we can see glimpses of it here, like in the sense of verse 23. It speaks that Christ is the first fruits of those who are going to be made alive, being raised up from the dead. And, you know, whenever Christ raised up from the dead, it wasn't what anybody was really expecting. They weren't expecting just one person in the middle of history to to rise from the dead. They were expecting everybody to rise from the dead. I mean, that's the same thing that we are also uh, looking forward to. Whenever Christ comes, then yes, those who belong to him, they are going to be raised up from the dead. They're going to follow in after Christ who was this first fruits. This is this this new information that has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. We also see 
that um, his his goal right here is of course to see this uh, this end here about um, uh, all these uh, dominion authority and power all of those things being destroyed as mentioned here in verse uh, 24 and we also see that he is reigning currently right now in verse 25 that's talking about that and we see this last enemy that is to be destroyed is death I've said this several times. Maybe you've even heard me say it, but I will continue to say it. Verse 26, it is not talking about his own death. I mean, how would that make sense? Because Jesus Christ has already destroyed his own death. No, this is talking about death itself. That would be your death, my death. Death as a whole. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And it will be permanently destroyed. He is going to have everything under his feet. We see the first of that happening. We see the newness of this happening. We see that God in the last uh, book of the Bible speaks about making all things new. And this is done through Jesus Christ. Right here, right now, in this passage, we see how we are looped in as this community. Because if we, as the community of Christ, continue to follow Christ, then just as he was the first fruits of those who are made alive, we have hope about being able to be made alive as well. However, if you remember with the first fruits of uh, the promised land, they had to personally take ownership of it. We have to do that as well. This is whenever it comes down to you and it comes down to me. This is about your story. This is about my story. And this passage tells us several things about that, mostly in the sense of warnings. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 33 through 34, uh, Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. He was really getting on to them at the fact of there were some who just didn't understand these things. They didn't grasp these things. They were ignorant about these things. And he says, I say these things to your shame. So we need to be people who, if we're going to take ownership of this, of this gospel, if we're going to respond to this gospel, then we need to be people who will come back to our senses as we ought to and to stop sinning. We no longer need to be ignorant of God. We need to be teaching the things of God. We need to be preparing for whenever Christ returns so that we will be part of that fruit that follows, the fruit of the resurrection. And this passage continues on about taking this personal ownership here. In verses 47 through 50, notice that we all have the opportunity to reflect some image. You know, we, we were originally created. Mankind was originally created in the image of God. Now we have this choice. What is that image that we reflect? What's it going to be like? What is it going to look like? 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 50. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man... So are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been, uh, we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, Paul is still talking about these new things. The part that how Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection and we can we are the ones that are following. We see now this contrast once again of Adam and Christ. We see the contrast of being made from the dust of the earth and then being made of heaven, so to speak. So what is 
What is at the heart of you? Now, we all have reflected this image of the earthly man, of course, because, I mean, you know, we have these fleshly bodies. This is just, this is how we are. We are a human being. However, verse 49 tells us also that we can bear the image of the heavenly man. But in order for us to bear that image, we have to personally respond to this gospel message. We have to personally become a part of this community of Christ. We have to to take hold of the things and to follow Jesus every single day of our lives. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If we want to be a part of the kingdom of God, if we want to be a part of what God is doing, then we've got to recognize this flesh and blood, it can't do it. We're going to receive new bodies. This chapter is, is full about receiving uh, the new bodies and how we are going to be changed and how Jesus Christ is going to do all these things. He's going to do all these things for those who personally follow him. This chapter also kind of ends with this wonderful statement that, that brings it all together about the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the thought that leaves us in this chapter, that we need to, to personally recognize this victory that comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's whenever we decide to follow him. It's whenever we decide to obey the gospel message. It's whenever we have, have truly learned what it means to die to ourselves, our old life of sin, to be buried with Christ in baptism, and to rise up and walk in a newness of life. Those are some more things the Apostle Paul has also shared with us. Those are some things that Jesus himself has shared to us. We need to see here that we need to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's make sure that we remember to continue to labor on and follow Jesus Christ. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father before your throne I kneel in prayer. salvation out. I've been purchased with the price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus keep me near the cross. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus keep me near the cross. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, all through the word convict me of sin. sin, because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. 
have been purchased with a price I cannot repay. Unredeemed, unredeemed, unredeemed by the blood of the Lamb.